you are listening to JFABE. It is the 12th of the 3rd, 2019. We are post Fastlane. We are now on the road to WrestleMania. It's time for JFABE with Rich and Jay. Beard and bear. Drop that shit. <laughs> Jay, how are we hey, doing? Man. All right, mate. I'm really liking this mix, Rich. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd be into that one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. I'm going to fade it out now. I'm going to fade it out. I promise I'm going to fade it out. Oh, should we do one more drop? I want to do one more one drop. One more drop. One more drop. Just one more drop. Oh, man, that is so sexy. That is nice. You cannot hear this anywhere other than Anchor. Other than Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher, pretty much wherever good podcasts are. <laughs> oh, thought you'd enjoy that one. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thanks for your approval, Jay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. I'm not I'm not I'm not bitter about the John Cena thing at all. <laughs> uh, so Fastlane. Fastlane was on Sunday night. We both have had time to watch it, pour over it, write notes, do all sorts of studying because that's apparently what our lives are now when it comes to wrestling. Thoroughly enjoying every second of it, of course. Um, so let's talk about Fastlane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can, you can. We, we, we're thoroughly enjoying it. I, I am at least. I, I, I get to be a nerd, so enjoying that bit of it. So Fastlane was on Sunday. Going into the show, WWE Monday Night Raw last week on week moved from a 1.93 rating on Christmas Eve. And long term, it looks like their plan to shake up what they're doing has been working as the February 25 episode of Raw met 2.922 million viewers. And the go-home Raw netted a nice, tidy 2.783 million. SmackDown, more modestly, has hit 2.155 million viewers. However, that is higher than it has been for the rest of the year. Um, um, it's seen an increase of roughly half a million viewers over the last five weeks. Um, Fastlane took place at the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. The arena states a capacity of 19,432. However, it's unlikely that this was reached. The arena is expandable, so it's likely they used a modified version of the ice hockey configuration. Um, seats an estimated 9,447 people. If we factor into that the aisles, the space on various staging and props, and take into account the fact that the hard cam wasn't locked 
off. We haven't seen a poorly attended WWE live event appear on Twitter since about 2017, so it can be assumed that WWE have met their B-City target of 6,496 attendees. Um, that's not comped. And then some. Um, considering the capacity of the building and the fact that along with the Elimination Chamber, this is now the second consecutive WWE pay-per-view not to post its attendance. It can be assumed that it was much lower than the arena's gated capacity and much lower than the 15,119 attending last year's Fastlane event. This isn't necessarily a sign of a poor showing, however. Um, the impressive 48,193 estimated gate at Royal Rumble in Chase Field is unlikely that WWE are wanting to shout about running cheaper venues and not filling them to make up for the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania overhead. This year's WrestleMania, of course, will be at the MetLife Stadium. That has a capacity of 82,550. Um, the last time MetLife hosted a WrestleMania was WrestleMania 29, which drew 80,676 fans, um, which really? I'm sure you're finding quite interesting there, Jay. <laughs> Um, what we can what we can indeed estimate about Fastlane, um, this is through um, numbers from Forbes, is that the ticket price on average was $87. This event will have had an estimated live gate of around $565,152. Um, it's very likely that in this large arena, the Royal Rumble of WrestleMania, with smaller arenas on Fastlane Elimination Chamber, will probably continue next year and probably be a blueprint for the business model moving forward. The host of next year's Royal Rumble is, of course, Minute Maid Park, which has 41,000 attendants, and the 2020 WrestleMania was this week announced to be Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. It's the first time they've ran that location. Um, it's so far managed a record attendance of 74,512 with expanded seating. However, I believe it's only been standing for about five years. Um, this shows WWE in a network era understand better how to market their big ticket shows long term. Um, the majority of their non-Big 5 pay-per-views are based around match types and the majority of rewatches on the network long term will be the Big 5 pay-per-views and shows like Fastlane and Backlash. Effectively, stop gaps are usually there to continue storylines rather than solve conflicts or blow off feuds. Unlike, say, Hell in a Cell, TLC or SummerSlam or start programs like Night of Champions, Royal Rumble or Money in the Bank. Considering, however... Fastlane has been host to some of the most underrated one-on-one -on -one matches in previous years. It's somewhat strange how this show featured only one, well, two, really, singles matches. However, this could be reflective of a more reactive WWE moving forward who are more in tune with their fans, eschewing a stubborn long-term booking for more reactive style of television writing. Jay, given what I've just said, before we go into specifics, <laughs> yeah. as, as a fan, how do you feel this current booking and event management style is compared to the pro where the product was, say, um, six months ago. Well, um, <laughs> no, it, it, it definitely done a lot better. I'm actually enjoying to watch Raw and SmackDown a lot more, and the pay-per-views have been getting better. So, as a fan, I'm more than happy to pay my 9.99. Yeah, I think I think they are definitely earning their subscription at the moment. Um, I honestly don't mind the idea of running Royal Rumble at a bigger a bigger location and then kind of smaller locations or B towns as they're known for the um, intermediary intermediary kind of um, pay per views because it just feels it just feels nicer and it allows them to be a bit more reactive because they're not they're not planning on the bigger shows at the bigger arenas um 
as much during the WrestleMania season and gives them a chance to be more reactive. So I'm 100% with you. I think this year the road to WrestleMania has been one hell of a roller coaster ride, and there have been some missteps. But I think Fastlane is a good been example. A few missteps. Yeah. A few. <laughs> positive notes. A few um, missteps, but you know, yeah. with the new writers, the new creative, there's going to be a bit of you missed just a bit of planning ahead and messing yeah, up and so. it's game, um, right basically everyone finding their groove so i mean we've talked recently about bruce pritchard um being on the creative for the show and, and, dana, um, and dana warrior dana warrior of course um and abyss Jeff, several Jarrett. other people we still haven't found his real name yet <laughs> <laughs> jeff jarrett of course um i thought it was the roadie no, that was Jesse Jet. Maybe, maybe Jeff Jarrett and the roadie are the same person. Well, I've got to get I someone to check that. Realized. Someone, someone check on Wikipedia. Tweet to me if it's true. Anyway, <laughs> kickoff show. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Kickoff show. Jay, how? Um, are you, I don't believe that you watched much of this, did you? I didn't watch any kickoff show. I um, went straight in for the main show. Fair play. Well, um, allow me to get you updated. I found out Android and Rain Mysterio wasn't on it. I thought, well, I'll just go straight to the main show. Yeah, fair play. Um, so allow me to get you updated. The kickoff show featured Coach and Christian on the left side of the panel, Sam Phillips, and um, I'm going to say David Artunga on the right. Would that be? The lawyer guy. Yeah, the guy. The, that's that's yeah, the one. I'm pretty sure it was him. Um yeah, he was on the right side. Um, it was the usual affair before the Usos match. Um, Kofi was called into McMahon's office to discuss the championship match. Um, obviously, we saw the result of that later on. Um, Alistair Black and Ricochet did a selfie interview before any action took place in the ring. Um, he... <laughs> Alistair Black loses quite a bit of his mystique when he's cutting a promo into a cam camera phone like an 11-year-old in his bedroom, um, while his mate Ricochet just gormlessly smiles next to him, I must admit. Um, but his actual mic work was fairly good. Um, New Day versus Rusuke, which I'm now calling them. Um, kind of. Yeah, Rusuke. That kind of yeah. hit about 25 minutes um, left on the countdown clock, as it were. Um, it was an OK was match. Yeah, it was it was story was standard hot tag. Um action was interrupted halfway through by a Roman Reigns promo in the top right hand corner that was pre recorded. Um it wasn't we to the wrong. camera. It was Yeah, yeah, no, we were both wrong. I am I am losing that bet, I'm afraid, and I think you have too. Um I wouldn't yeah. mind, but traditionally if wrestling was on television, the job of the heel would be to beat um, was would be to beat the face up and build heat while the sound and the video was off, um, and you kind of do that by slapping on a rest hold or grabbing the and grabbing the rope so that you have that back and forth action with the face. Um, maybe doing the back and forth in the corner with no tags, sparring with the audience. However, in this case, it just kind of exposes that the standard WWE commercial spot is to just meander around rest holds um, and not maybe use that opportunity to build heat. So that kind of frustrated me because they had it in the bottom left-hand corner while this was going on. It was clearly a commercial spot on the network and syndicated versions of it. So it's just my thought, really. Um, 
What they did do was come back on action, though, which is unusual because WWE usually come back from a break on a rest hold with everybody having the air sucked out of them. Um, Xavier Woods mounted his first comeback um, when they came back from the break. Um, That's how it should be done as far as I'm concerned, Um, followed with a heel smackdown in this case to bring back the audience into the the conflict. Um, Shinsuke is clearly enjoying his three-year holiday um, in the U.S., Um, this kind of match is not taxing for him at all as a performer. Um, and that, that kind of shows it's like watching a Ferrari never reach second gear, if I'm honest. Um, when the hot tag was made, um, and you're going to hear this a lot, it was fairly pointless because they did that ridiculous simultaneous tag thing, which I absolutely can't stand. Right. I know that you're a big fan of. Um, it's like the WWE's own version of fighting spirit. You're beating a guy down in the corner. Um, and got him absolutely exhausted. And then he tags, you tag. Um, in this case, it was after a fairly, I think it was a top rope plancher or something like that um, by Xavier Woods. Um, but you both tag at the same times. And then somehow Big E had the had the jump on Rusev, even though they both had the same amount of rest time. To me, that's like the WWE version of fighting spirit but it doesn't make much sense. It makes it look very staged as far as I'm concerned. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, all right. The match only lasted kind of 10, 15 minutes. Up, up, down, down for the win. Not a bad match. Um, I like the subtlety of Lana. She was particularly well represented in the match because she's, she's showing this kind of, I don't particularly approve of Shinsuke being Rusev's partner. Um, and that kind of shows it's kind of good, subtle character work, um, which we, we see a lot from we see a lot from female managers um, and female okay. wrestlers and talent at the moment. So, so that could potentially be setting up a face turn for Shinsuke. Um, possibly setting up a face turn for Shinsuke. They didn't make a big enough thing of it for me to expect anything before the end of WrestleMania. I will probably They're expect given the feeling about for it. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think I think it is that. I think it is literally kind of if you were going to use that in a promo to build up the match, you would um, because she walks down the aisle. She's still got the big cast on. Um, she's limping and she's clearly unhappy with the fact that she's limping and she's eyeing Shinsuke who's already in the ring as if to say this is your fault. Um, so mm. yeah, no, it was it was fairly good. Um, so yeah, not a bad match. Um, slow story. Um, Shinsuke and Rusev their only real moment of note is that they're starting to use teamwork um, as in they they kind of had a moment of realisation while they're both in the ring um, about halfway through the second act of the match um, and started doing double team slam moves um, and similar that didn't look pre-arranged they looked like they were making them up on the spot and just kind of realising oh yeah this is tag team wrestling um, so that was kind of nice <laughs> Because it didn't look like the performers were confused. It looked like the characters were finally starting to gel and that was really well put together. So all in all, it was an okay match. Wouldn't have looked out of place on a Raw or a SmackDown. Um, So, yeah. Um, During the pre-show after that, Fatal 4-Way was announced, which was Andrade, Truth, um, Joe and Mysterio. Um, and then to close it off, Coach and Christian fumbled through one of the worst closing sections in pre-show history as far as I'm concerned. Towards the end of it, Coach's rant 
um, his words started blending into one. Um, it was one big uncut sentence that was as long as it was nonsensical. Um, I don't think he's necessarily 100% comfortable taking Renee Young's spot on the pre-show at the moment. Um, I'm not sure as if, if he's aware of the product enough. What with him? him uh, is he still sidelining free SPN, do you know? I'm not too sure about that, but um, you, know, you never know. You might see Coach back on the um, announcer team sooner than you think. Because I'm uh, about really? removing Rene Young. Yeah, I'm about removing Rene Young from the announcing. Oh, what would be the reason of that? Uh, I have not really looked into that. I just saw something. <laughs> oh, fair play. <laughs> well, I'll be very interested to find out um, what's going on there. So, um, yeah, we will we will look into that. Um, yeah. We'll talk about it next time. Yeah, we will indeed. We will talk about it next time on Beard and Bear. I mean, J-Fabe. That's fine. <laughs> so Fastlane, main event. I'm, I, I'm aware that we are now um, 16 minutes in and I have done most of the podcasting here. Um, so let's start with the Open. Jay, what do you think? I actually enjoyed this. So it was the Uzos versus McMiz for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Miz came out to a big hero as welcome, obviously because it's in Cleveland. I like this match because they both had urgency and both teams had aggression, which was lacking in the last one. Yeah, definitely. I, I can see what you mean by that. Um, I mean, the Usos displayed a level of frustration um, with the fact that they were having to have a rematch simply because they were fighting the boss's son. And obviously there was an urgency between Miz to prove himself and, of course, um, Shane McMahon to prove that this wasn't a failed endeavour, as it were. Yes, again, yeah. Urgency from both teams. I've noticed that the users are also using headbutts a lot more. Uh, yeah, they seem to be going for a much more visceral style as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's like paying so... homage to tag teams that came before them within the Samoan dynasty. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously um, Afer and Seeker um, were well known for. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, they're using the whole thing: headbutts don't hurt us, and just keep doing it and doing it. Yeah, so it worked. It worked so very, was very well. Cool. So that's that's a bit of a throwback. That was cool. Um, there was a great spot in there as well. Uh, Shane McMahon cutting off Jimmy or Jay. I'm not sure which one it was. Um, <laughs> with the coast to coast, when he was doing the splash, it was like a standoff between both of them. Yeah, um, I mean, certainly, I I liked the spot. My concern with the spot was that it uh, it seemed to make very little sense on a character level for Shane McMahon, considering what would come. Um, <clears throat> the reason I say that is that he was... Um, the Uso in question was, <laughs> was um, about to do a big splash off the top rope onto Miz. Um, Shane McMahon was already prone in the opposing corner um, to do a coast-to-coast to an Uso who was on the bottom turnbuckle of the same of the same turnbuckle, as it were. Um, so, first off, why did the Uso, who was awake and alive, want to damage the Miz more? Then he wanted to save his brother from a coast to coast. Second of all, why would Shane, considering that he's about to do what he's about to do, risk the danger of performing a mid-air coast to coast? It's like two cars, isn't it? Playing chicken. Who's going to go first? Yeah, I suppose. 
who's going to swerve. Yeah, that's can, the kind of I feel I got from it. That. Okay, you, yeah, I can, you've I got, can understand. And then Miss, and then Miss got saved by Shane, and obviously he took that big bump. Miss lost, so that makes sense for him to then just switch on Miz. In frustration. Yeah, okay. In so frustration. It does make sense. Uh, fair play, fair play. No, I can I can see your angle on it actually. Um I suppose I suppose that could have been better accented, um, but at the same time I was I was still a little bit a little bit tagged out at this stage, if that makes sense. <laughs> um so yeah, um Mrs. Dad told him to do a top rope frog splash. And so um, nothing. Every time the camera's on him, he just said like his face was just said nothing. Yeah, like he was through. remembering his lines and his parts. Like Batista. We'll get we'll get to that though. Um, <laughs> so he should have been standing at the barrier pointing up to the top rope, he just sat in his seat just pointing upwards and just pointing. It's, he didn't hadn't just didn't make sense. Yeah, so I, 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 I don't think he's the necessarily the best um, in ring, in ring kind of performer that we've, well, out of ring performer that we've seen so far. He's certainly no Ryan Shamrock. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, but there so, was a really cool camera angle uh, from yeah. the crowd, which I really enjoyed. Uh, whether we missed that... miss jumped off the top rope to the outside onto the Uzos. Was that the one over his dad's shoulder? Yeah, so like from the crowd, that was that was really good to see. Yeah, I really like that. Um, I, I think we commented on this earlier between the two of us, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and I was kind of fumbling around the point, really. But I was thinking, I was thinking, could this potentially be a way of WWE pushing the live experience a bit more um, and maybe giving Fastlane a bit more of a unique feel. Um, I mean, obviously being in the action is the very definition of Fastlane. It's certainly a very good directorial decision either way. You only do it the once, but you don't want to overuse it, really. Well, no, I, th I think there was a point um, during the Shield match as well um, later on um, that was taken from... Um, about the third row to the left of the hard cam um that was that was quite good you could see a guy's phone a, a guy's mobile phone as well um kind of with the image on it just kind of blurred out in the foreground um and that looked very very good it reminded me quite a bit of some of the fan shots in the wrestlemania theater on the wwe yeah, collection exactly, yeah. and i i did like that feel and i think i think that kind of makes you feel as a fan a bit more like you appreciate the live experience that wwe offers um i think because it's such a clinical environment it can very often seem a little bit like you're watching a, a show and it's not live as it were and that the audience are just wallpaper and this kind of brings you back to it so i did enjoy that um yeah wallpaper. so <laughs> yeah um so ooze <laughs> does knees up um after after the miz goes up to the um up to the top rope um Possibly pull D'Lo Brown style lowdown indeed. Um, possibly the most stagey schoolboy I've seen since Tumblr stopped making amateur porn. Um, but <laughs> honestly, it was it was not the best. Not the best um, roll up. It was slow and it looked sluggish. Um, so I don't know whether it was just a timing thing or what, but 
Regardless, Miz lost the match. Um, and Shane attacked the Miz from behind after that. So after it was going over to his dad, and he was like, oh, yeah, we're all winners, blah, blah, blah. Miz is all like, oh, I lost. And then mm. Shane just beats the crap out of him and chokes him out. Yeah. I quite like that um, part, to be fair. It showed a nice aggression from Shane McMahon that's been missing. Yeah, I mean, my notes, I'm just going to read them verbatim, actually. Really enjoyed seeing Shane as a heel again. As when Shane McMahon turns heel, you know he's got one foot out of the door, and it's a good way to see um, a different side to the character that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, no, but um, touching on that as well, uh, you were on about how Vince will be bowing out for XF, XL, whatever, XFL. XL football. XL yeah, football. Yeah. <laughs> Microsoft Microsoft Office Excel three six five football yeah yeah that one <laughs> so potentially they could be the Shane and the Shane and sorry McMahon Vince McMahon versus Stephanie Triple H divide uh, yeah I was thinking that actually exactly that um, would probably be the step forward that you'd need to take especially with this heel turn with Shane the fact that he was later pictured. Um, going well he was going to be interviewed by what is effectively a mannequin with a microphone um, because she never introduces herself um, that that always irritates me as well but there you go that's just my thoughts um, and he, he wandered out of Vince McMahon's dressing room um, kind of looked fairly nonchalantly at her and then wandered back off as if to say you're not worth my time um, did, you saw that spot I assume yeah I did I did see that segment yeah uh, yeah, I think it was just after the um, just after the the match that featured the bar later on, which we'll discuss at some point. But regardless, it was um, it was nice to see that side of Shane. Um, any other notes on this match? I don't really. No, no, no. Um, I just want to mention that um, Kevin Dunn was free pulling the video edit um, without cutting the incoming channel um, during the replay. So he got a nice record scratch sound during the replay. Really, really well done. Um, well done, Kevin Dunn. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Jay? Well, it looks like Jay has gone on mute at the moment. Um, so that's absolutely fine. We we were followed by, followed by... an Elias. Welcome back, Jay. Hey, Welcome Rich. back. Hey, <laughs> it's okay. Dead air <laughs> is always fun to fun to work with. Um, <laughs> We cut to a Drew McIntyre promo after this. Um, this had Corbin and Lashley. Um, honestly speaking, good mic work from all three. That includes Bobby Lashley, who I usually don't, you know, who I usually don't rate when it comes Told to mic time. Well, he, to be fair, he he said about six words to cut the promo. The majority, the MVP of it was clearly Drew McIntyre. Um, we are the new dominant force on Monday Night Raw. Um, was, you know, kind of a kind of a odd statement considering that from Baron Corbin, considering that they have been the dominant force on Monday Night Raw for quite a while. But yeah, all in all, I enjoyed the promo. 
it yeah. built it up nicely, really. Yeah, no, not really much standard promo. It was a standard promo, but it, it did its job. And it and it was obviously Shield style, wasn't it? So. Yeah, I mean, it was that Shield style mixed with that social media style. Um, obviously, they were holding a slightly more expensive camera than um, Alistair Black's mobile phone in the pre-show. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was fairly good. Um, quite enjoyed it. Um, Elias had his first segment after that. It was the first of three that would appear throughout the night. Um, it was like he was the narrator of Fastlane. That's exactly it. Um, it was it was a heel narrator, almost as if he's commissioned by WWE to go out and um, tow the party line. And I thought that was that was quite good. Um, did you enjoy the Elias segments overall? No, I did enjoy them. I thought it was a good addition. Um, I thought he would end up being the um, host for WrestleMania, but we learned differently on Monday night. Did we? We did. But we'll, we'll um, get to that, I guess. Okay, okay. Um, unless it spoils anything from tonight, um, I'm quite happy to discuss it now. But well, fact, let no, me let's tell you it. then. Ooh, go on, go let on, me go tell on. you. <laughs> Who do you think it is going to be? Um, Kofi Kingston. No. Um, the New Day. It's a woman. Donna Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Yes. Really? Really? No, no, it's Alexa Bliss. Oh, uh, okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Does it? Cause it <laughs> well, uh, yeah, she didn't uh, have a match, but what would you make of the host? I mean, her talk show is terrible. Um, well, it just gives us something to do, doesn't it? It's the moment of bliss. WrestleMania. Yeah, there you go. It's um, it's funny when WWE get one of these situations where they have people that they don't know what to do with, so just put them in really arbitrary roles, isn't it? She'll probably start making matches while she's doing it as well. So we have to watch out for that one. <laughs> uh, um, so we went back to a Kofi replay. Um, before the Mandy Rose Asuka match. Um, I can't believe I have to talk about this. Right then. Thoughts on this match? I thought it's better than it's going to be. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's that's not really high standards, is it? They're still making Oscar look weak, which is <coughs> terrible. Mm. I mean, I'm coughing, obviously. I'm going to, well, yeah, um, I'm going to read my notes um, pretty much verbatim from this. This is probably the easiest way to do it again. Um, Asuka walked Mandy for a very simple match. Mandy fucked up a Samoan buster and dropped Asuka on her face. Looked like dog shit. Um, Mandy is unconvincing at selling. She does a two count and disbelief spot before Asuka even breaks a sweat. Um, Sonya fucks up a kendo grab, leaves the apron up. Mandy trips on the ring apron, goes down like a wet fart. And then she fades to black. Yeah, pretty much. Because that's the move she used. Yeah. Spin um, back kick. Pow. It, it was. <sighs> it just makes yeah. Oscar look like shit at the same time. And she deserves so much better. Mandy Rose doesn't. Mm. She's terrible. 
She flops yes. spot after spot. I don't think I touched on this last time, or maybe we didn't. Maybe that was in episode eight and not eight point five. Yeah, that could have been. I've seen it. I've seen it. Seen it live, and she messed up a simple. You know where they drop down and they go over the ropes and just hop over them and come back again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, she just completely missed it and she stopped in front of the front of Naomi and just didn't know what she was doing. Just, just looked blank. Stood there. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah, I witnessed that. I think didn't I? Um. Yeah, so Mandy and Sonya then tease a breakup. Um, is I feel that this is where the kind of my overarching issue with the pacing of this show kind of starts to wind me up in the um, Mandy and Sonya are teasing a breakup, but that's incredibly badly timed considering the fact that we've just seen a tag team breakup. Um, and they have a tag team division now. Yeah, it seems to me just like a case of uh, we'll get there in the end um, if we can't find anything for either of these two to do over WrestleMania season but I can't expect Mandy versus Sonia to even make the pre-show let alone the go home roar or anything like that so that yeah, must be um, terrible it would it would um, Mr. McMahon and Kofi Kingston um, are then cut to Kofi is stood outside looking stupid um, waiting for Vince McMahon to enter the door um, Big E being the strong alpha male that he is bangs on the door and takes a Kofi in like a scolded child um, McMahon says that the title match is going to be a triple threat absolutely flubs his lines so the trap doesn't really work as far as I'm concerned because yeah, I, I, do you want to explain it in your words, Jay? What I've got here is um, New Day of Fighting Kofi's Corner. And then he says, all right then, you're in a triple threat right now. Yeah. Um, now, what is clear, clear Vince McMahon should have said is that you have a match tonight the ti- the title match is going to be a triple threat match and your match starts right now that's all he had to say however he directly said that Kofi was going out for a triple threat match um for the title right now which kind of i don't think that's what they were going for I think they were going for Vince McMahon not directly lying to his loyal employee's face um, because, you know, the whole the whole point of this angle is that Vince McMahon's smarter than Kofi or thinks he's smarter than Kofi um, and that Kofi will just bow down and take it. For me, it just it makes Kofi look a bit weaker. But then that's um, what's happening. Kofi does look weak at the moment. Yeah. And they're doing that, they're obviously doing that for a reason. Oh, I Hopefully understand. Hopefully, that, that reason will be WrestleMania. It should be if WrestleMania. They say don't pull the trigger. <laughs> they are they are batshit insane if they don't pull the trigger. Um, but they might just swerve us for the sake of swerving us. Um, Kofi goes to the ring. It's revealed that the bar will be the ones facing Kofi in a tornado handicap match. Um, gets a lot of heat. It's a squash match. No point. The in bar the, pl- the par play heals. Um, Beat him up, win. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get why they're doing it. Um, in the meta narrative 
of WWE, i.e. the smart narrative, as it were. Um, what we're seeing here is an angled version of what people have said Vince has been doing um, to stars who are over, such as Bray Wyatt, Rusev, Zack Ryder for years. Um, do you feel that that's, that's kind of what they're going for on the smart level here? Well, to the point where they're going to make everyone think that he's never going to get a shot. Is that what um, you're saying? I don't think necessarily that. I think there are those of us who kind of enjoy it as an art form and enjoy the well put together angles um, being well executed. And I think kind of the larger thing that he is doing here is positioning himself into that. This is what you say I do if that makes sense. And this is what we're going to eventually remove from this product, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm going a bit too much into the metaphysical aspects of the narrative here, but <laughs> it is just a wrestling podcast after all. <laughs> uh, so um, interview with Sasha and Bailey afterwards. Bailey smiles while shouting out to Kofi, showing absolutely fuck all concern for him. Um, looks really staged. Absolutely hated it. Didn't need it in the interview. Rest of the interview was fine. Thoughts? What did she actually say? I forgot what she said. She said, shout out to Kofi. Um, sorry, I just want to start this interview by shouting out to Kofi. Um, keep on fighting, brother. And then carried on. Um, uh, yeah, you inspire us. Keep on fighting. You inspire us. That was it. Yeah, I, I've and actually <laughs> made a note here that I forgot. I put <laughs> so basically what I put here is a white man keeping keeping African American man down. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he will rise and, and win at WrestleMania. Is, is what I put there. It seems that way. It seems like that's what's happening. It's getting a bit racist. <laughs> I I think it's almost there. Um, I think it's it's very fine line for Vince to walk. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot of people who are sitting there saying, are they going to go there? And obviously they're not. It's a PG-13 product, but uh, I think... Uh, well, you say that. They are going for more edgy content now. Well... Fox are pushing this, pushing them to get their ratings up. They're pushing edgier content. They want them to do these kind of things. That's true. Seth Rollins might say that they'll go for a racist angle one last motherfucking time, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I, did, I didn't like the... Um, I, well, I think that's kind of what I'm saying as well about, about Vince McMahon. I think, I think he is playing the character that everyone says he is playing which is the guy who's holding people down. Um, I don't think there is a racist element to it, obviously, but I don't. Th I wouldn't be surprised if they went there in order to appease people who want edgier con content, but I think they'd have to be incredibly careful considering the the vastness of and, the and WWE universe. Sorry, say again? And also DS-Star. Yeah, there's DS-Star. Um, there's obviously... Um, there's obviously the Hulk Hogan thing, which is still kind of in the back of the public's mind, considering it was it it was one of the bigger kind of news stories featuring WWE last year. Um, I think I think they have to play very carefully if they are going to go for the race angle, and I don't think they would. Um, they would even in today's market where they're supposed to be going a bit more edgy. So. 
Um, yeah, moving on from that. Elias. Elias does his second piece. Um, more bashing of Cleveland, more pro-Pittsburgh. Um, obviously, the Cle- Cleveland and um, Pittsburgh are two respective cities that have various sporting rivalries um, as they are quite close. And Monday Night Raw, I believe, is also from Pittsburgh um, on the Monday. So it makes sense for him to be quite pro-Pittsburgh um, considering he'll be fa- playing a playing a face tomorrow night as a result um, as that's his hometown. Um <laughs> More replays of Shane. At this point, we're an hour in. The pacing of the show is starting to feel glacial, um, which is why I text you to say it's starting to feel glacial. Did you kind of feel at this point that the show was kind of a bit slow? Not particularly. No, I thought. Uh, I, I very much, I very much did, but I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of tag team wrestling anyway. And so far, we haven't seen much in the way of non-tag team wrestling. On to Ricochet, Alistair Black, <laughs> yeah, a little bit um, versus Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, and the Revival. Um, well, I called it, didn't I? But <laughs> the that Revival would win. I think we both called it. Um, and they would pin did we? Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. Yeah, I I thought Chad Gable would be the one that they'd be most happy to um, damage with a pit, with a clean pin. Um, so that makes sense. Um, I love the NXT presentation of Ricochet and Black when they're on the main roster. Um, I love the fact that they didn't get a fast lane tile card. They got an NXT one. Um, bit disappointed that Alistair Black's custom name card wasn't in play, but I understand it been, that. It hasn't been there since he's been on, on Raw and SmackDown. They haven't used it once. Yeah, I, I can understand why he's obviously still considered on loan from NXT as far as the WWE mainstream mainline product is concerned. We can definitely say that he has been um, seen with his custom name card on NXT though in the intervening weeks. Um, and if they did want to change that, they they would have been able to because obviously it's a post-edit kind of situation. So um, I, I understand it. And when he does join the main roster eventually, hopefully his custom name card will come with him um, because I do love those custom name cards. I think they're really good. And I look forward to a day when every superstar gets them. <laughs> Bar Zack Ryder, who doesn't need one. Um, in fact, he's lucky if you can just spell his name right. <laughs> That's very so, true. Yeah. They can't spell his name right. Well, this, exactly. was, this was NXT versus NXT versus NXT, if you'd like. These all came from NXT. They've come through NXT, and this is a tag match. Yeah, this is very true. All of NXT. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, I, I like that kind of larger feel to it. Um, great to see the glorious tag teams intro because it's been underutilized on the mainline product as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's been so underutilized, it's no longer over, which is, you know, that's like, that's like adding heat to ice cream. It's ridiculous. It's like the no most over thing anymore f- either. No. I know. It's just not over, is Terrible. it? Terrible. No. Um, good to see the tag team champions in the revival have their intro entirely undercut with no less than 14 foreign announcers being introduced. Um, that really makes me feel that they are a t- tag team who are valued. So well done. Um, WWE. Vince. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you can't get released from your contract. Here's some tag team titles, but we're going to fuck you over constantly. Yeah. Here's some tag team titles for you to wear to the ring while we're pointing our camera at Funaki. Smackdown. Uh, number one announcer. <laughs> <laughs> um, match. What did you think of the actual match now we've got over the, over the shenanigans at the start? Match. Match was... Good. <laughs> yeah, it, got, it, um, had, it had like high, intense action. I can see that you've you've written plenty of notes there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was a bit of a spot fest. Would you like? Um, would you like to to? Um, I read my notes out. Yeah, go for it. I called it. Mm-hmm. That's my notes. Okay, um, my notes aren't much better, if I'm honest. Um, match was good. Bit of a spot fest. Revival to win, as we called. Uh, um, Alistair Black and Ricochet get the rub at the end. Gable is the guy pinned. Um, yeah, that's really it. <laughs> I, I was falling asleep at this part, so I didn't make many notes on that. Just going to tell everyone t- about that. <laughs> It was nice to see a tag team match, as far as I'm concerned, that didn't follow the standard WWE template of um, building to a hot tag. It was more of an indie feel to it. Yeah, it had more of an indie feel to it. It had more of an NXT feel to it. It had more of a spot fest feel to it, sure. Um, But Ricochet definitely lived um, lived up to his famous quote, if you're not going to win your match, definitely be the star of it. Um, and that was that was definitely what him and Alistair Black did. Um, they definitely came across as strongly as they have been coming on WWE TV. I think I think Vince McMahon has very very big things planned for them, um, which is saying something considering the stories that have recently emerged in regards to how he picked up the four NXT people that he picked up recently. Yeah, I mean, they ended it with sorry. Are you aware of how he how he picked up the um, NXT guys backstage? No. Uh, apparently, the conversation with Creative um, on the week that they were introduced was, "I need you all to think outside of the box. I don't watch NXT, but get me their four best guys." Right. <laughs> so considering he didn't even know who Ricochet and Alistair Black was four weeks ago, obviously Creative have been told to run with them, so that's a very good, very good thing. Um, <laughs> you're amazed at that one, aren't you? I am and I'm not. <laughs> All at the same time. <laughs> uh, I'm, um, Get me the four best guys. <laughs> yeah, my I, I believe the the source for that one is um, the source for that one is probably Forbes. I think. No, incredible. Forbes really. So Forbes Forbes are usually quite credible. I got nearly all of the stats about the um, about the attendance and those kind of things at the start of the show um, yeah, yeah, from cool. them. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. So after that we have the four way. Um this obviously is um Truth, Joe, Mysterio and Andrade. It was like Thoughts a SmackDown match. SmackDown match, really good match. It seems like it was a bit of a copycat to be fair, but they did they did the whole doomsday hurricane thing again. 
Mm. Yeah, really of course, the um, yeah. double one. And there's nothing wrong with the match at all. I really enjoyed the match. It just seems just it's just a bit like a copycat match, and there's no direction of where the US title is actually going at the moment. Um, I I think if they if they go long term with Joe. I, I think that would be a good call at this stage. Um, it was a good match. It was fast. It was fluid, and it was well paced. Mm-hmm. Very spot based, obviously. Um, it was good to see some fast paced action after the clusterfucker tag team matches that we had been kind of subjected to at this point. If I'm honest, um, Joe came across as really dangerous, which I'm quite relieved at considering my recent comments on Joe in the previous episode. Um, his final assault on Rey Mysterio, it didn't looked pretty but it looked fucking dangerous um it was beyond predator he was a savage beast at that moment and, and that's what samoa really... joe does yeah um that's what samoa joe should have been doing since he moved on to the main roster um and i would like to see more of that joe um i would like him to hold the title for a very long time and him become the prize fighter along with the prize championship of the US title. A, a run with a Joe in that mode could very well elevate the title to the same level that Cena managed to a few years ago. It's a very interesting thing that you said about possibly seeing Joe versus Cena. I agree with you, but there are now rumblings that now Kurt Angle is having his final match at WrestleMania. And John Cena posted a 1996 gold medal winning Kurt Angle on his Instagram. That could be the match at WrestleMania, which leaves Joe without nothing at the moment. Um, to be fair, um, Joe could easily enter into a program with Truth. He could easily enter into a program with any of these two, uh, with any of these other two fate- fighters, um, or he could enter into a program with a third, with a with a what now fifth entity hey guess what um, they could yeah. have a ladder match they could have a ladder match <laughs> they could have a ladder match <laughs> that would that would probably put to rest two um, issues in that there was um, a lack of opponent for Joe and a lack of ladders um, that you have so rightfully pointed out on every episode <laughs> um, with a number above six <laughs> of this show so far so yeah yeah, that much. Book it, WWE. WWE. That'd be, that could be a show stealer. Mm, very much so. Um, so, tag team woman title match. Yeah, so Boston Hook Connection you... versus the women of Samoa. <laughs> yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Would you I'm like to read him? Would you like to hear my notes about this? <laughs> I'm going to read it verbatim <laughs> for the whole match. You ready? Get verbatim, yeah. Nice. Just enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I just kind of enjoyed it, but it was all right. Uh, That's that's good for you. That's that's really good for you. (laughs) Just kind of um, enjoyed it. It was a a good match. They did things in the ring. It made sense. There was a start, there was a middle, there was an end. It was pretty good. And then Bailey did a runner and won. Yeah, that was basically <laughs> it. Um there wasn't there wasn't an over reliance on the on the standard template for tag matches, um, which if I'm utterly honest is something that I kind of 
don't like. Um, <laughs> I may have mentioned it. Um, and yeah, no, I like I like seeing Sasha. I like seeing Bailey. I like seeing um, even Tamina and Nia to some degree. Nia looks fucking dangerous and also a bit botch worthy, and she did botch a few times. But other than that, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> so on the Dave Meltzer scale, what would you give it? <laughs> Do we really need to go there at the moment? Yeah. What we've done, I would give it a, um, I would give it a seven non-existence leukemia pills out of five. Wow! What did you just say there? <laughs> Are you not aware of Dave Meltzer and his spat with Nia Jax this week? No. Dave Meltzer decided that Roman Reigns couldn't possibly have have cured his um, leukemia using a pill um, and decided to make comment on that kind of thing. And Nia Jax smacked him the fuck down on Twitter. Um, Let's just grab that story um, while you tell me what you would give it on the Dave Meltzer scale. Uh. <laughs> so we had a good start, middle and end, and Bailey went with a Rana. So I would give that match a nice eleven out of five. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so I'm going to read this article in regards to Roman Reigns. Obviously, we're at the right. Uh, sorry, Roman Reigns, Nia Jax, and um, Dave Meltzer, because we're at the right stage for this. Um, so this, again, comes from Forbes. Um, Dave Meltzer, back under fire from Nia Jax, WWE Twitter, after commenting on Roman Reigns' leukemia. Dave Meltzer, pro wrestling's most trusted news source, which is like being the Vatican's most trusted atheist, has once again found himself under fire after comments made about Roman Reigns' chronic myalgic leukemia diagnosis diagnosis on a recent edition of Wrestling Observer Radio. Meltzer said, there was an NHL player who had the same thing Roman Reigns had in 2007 season, who did not miss one game. He played every game while on this, and hockey is a pretty damn demanding sport, so everyone's different. He actually said the pill was oral chemotherapy, but I don't think it was. Um, Nia Jax came back on Twitter saying, Dave Meltzer is a piece of shit. The fact that you make statements about people's health when you have zero knowledge about it is ridiculous. If you do have access to Superstar's personal medical info, that is a huge violation of HIPAA, and which is the, um, the health something something act in America. And I'm sure that's not the case. So shut your mouth. Um, Dave Meltzer's response was, on the Reigns treatment, there are different options that include a pill that is oral chemo, and that is what he said he was taking, and there's no reason not to believe that. So I stand corrected on that. So he doesn't apologize because he's Dave fucking Meltzer. Instead, he just makes comments on Roman Reigns, and yeah, what a bellend. <laughs> so there you go. I give this match seven non-existent leukemia pills out of five. I see where you're coming from now. Okay, well, that guy is complete arsehole. Right, let's go to the next. Well, actually, we need to talk about post-match. Oh, hashtag fuck Dave Meltzer. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> post-match, go for it. Post-match, Wimson Samoa beat the shit out of Boston Hood Connection. 
Best thing it's goes in front of the table, Tamina gets in her face. And then shit kicks off. Yeah. Forum smashes, people get involved, Nijax gets involved, Natalia runs down, Divas of Doom getting their heads kicked in by women's Samoa, clearly setting up a match between the two at some point. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it was an all right little angle. I liked how it was how it was done. Um, Beth Beth Phoenix wasn't it? Um, yeah, Beth Phoenix. I, I never <laughs> I never realised how I never realised how big she is in the past. Yeah, no, she was she was quite. Uh, let's just say Tonk. <laughs> yeah, no, well, obviously Nia Jax is one of the only women on the present roster I've actually seen in the ring with a male wrestler um, to get that kind of idea of scale. And very often these women are um, portrayed as very dainty little things that can, you know, slither around the ring and do all sorts. Whereas Beth Phoenix was standing toe to toe with both Nia and Tamina when it came to size. So I I was quite impressed by the entire affair, to be honest. Yeah. It gets entire to do something, you know, that's to be on TV. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, I didn't mind this angle at all. Even though Tamina on Twitter said that she should stay home and play with a pussy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Keep it classy, Snooker. <laughs> Keep it classy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we then go on to the title match. Um, oh. The Kofi, the Kofi trail. <laughs> Let me first say the Kofi trail coming into this with Kofi getting it snatched out of his hands. They played Philip Glass-esque music over it like it was the fucking Truman Show. Um, Yeah, I, di- I didn't necessarily like it. I thought it was too much insofar as it, it's almost like they're telegraphing the, the, the switch here um, that's going to be pressed towards WrestleMania um, just because if Vince McMahon really wanted Kofi off television, then Kofi wouldn't be on television and he certainly wouldn't be telling Kevin Dunn to dominate 30 to 45 seconds, making Kofi look disappointed to violin music. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, to me saying, if you if want to get rid of Kofi, give an injury, a fake injury to take him off TV so people forget. They're not doing that. So obviously there's something happening. Yeah, um, here's a, here's an idea though. While we're while we're just going to shoot the shit before we talk about this match, um, how do you think it would have played out had they have gone a bit Matt Hardy on it um, and decided to take him off TV and then have him and then have him kind of invade? I mean, I'm aware that obviously that's that's what's going on with Becky's storyline um, to a lesser degree, but had that storyline have not existed at this time, that could have been the way that they'd have gone. Um, how do you think that would have played um, in regards to this? I don't think there was actually um, expecting the reaction that he got. <laughs> they wasn't expecting Kofi to be so over. But if, you, if you're going to give someone um, a spot to a guy who was getting over and then give him the exact same script to, to go by, then the fans are just going to latch onto that and put all the emotion they had in Mustafa Ali into this guy. I, I think in addition to that, I think in addition to that, I think it's it's more like a perfect storm situation, in my opinion. In that Kofi is a character that we, everybody rates Kofi Kingston as a wrestler, 
Um, I think I think we can pretty much say that there's not very few people have a bad word to say about his in-ring performance. And I think one of the common thoughts about Kofi for a very long time has been it's a shame he can't be bigger. Um, and it's a shame that he can't go further. So I think had it have been any other wrestler of Kofi's size um, and ability who was placed in that situation without those 11 years of seeing him fondle around the mid-card. Had it been Dolph Ziggler, had it been, you know, had it been Zack Ryder, had it been anyone from NXT of the same build and ability, I don't think we're... Even Ricochet, I don't think that people would have been as behind it as they were with Kofi. No, I can see where it comes from is actually... Mm. I mean, you can't just put anyone into that spot and expect it. They only put him into that spot because he can do the same things that Mustafa Ali could do. Mm. And the irony of it is, the irony of it is, is that they never realised that Kofi would get more over in that spot than Mustafa Mm. Ali ever could. Um, So yeah, it was good work on the promo putting Kevin Owens over as a face. That's clearly where they're wanting him to be at the moment, Um, or by judging by this promo at least, um, that was clearly where they wanted him to be. Um, Kevin Owens came down first, Daniel Bryan next, and then it was mentioned that it would be a triple threat match at the start of the match, and this is where it all kind of starts to fall apart a bit. Mustafa Ali. Yeah, well, what I got here is match makes no sense. WWE should have inserted Mustafa Ali into the title picture after WrestleMania. Um, yeah. Absolutely fucked over by his bucking as Mustafa Ali. Um, right now, it, yeah. This has this has ruined his push. Um, it sucked all the air out of the arena. Um, it's breakneck booking, and it's not really served Mustafa or Kevin in this situation. Um, they probably won't get Batista or Roman by it um, in the same way that those guys did with Daniel Bryan. Um, providing WWE separates them from this fucking god-awful element of this angle as soon as fucking possible. I mean, it wasn't I just have a concern they weren't. Necessarily a bad match. It just made no fucking sense. Yeah. I mean, there's never going to be a payoff for this audience other than Kofi Kingston insofar as the SmackDown men's title's concerned. Um, that's definitely the case. Um, at the same time, it was WWE have got so good at manufacturing heat at this stage, uh, or so they've got so good at, at understanding why fans turn on their product at this stage that they they've obviously intentionally artificially manufactured that in this match. Um, there was a moment though where the match became good enough that the fans forgot that they were supposed to hate it. Um, did you notice that? Did you notice that the fans started to really get into the action at one point? Yeah, yeah, they did because it wasn't a bad match, but it was just Mustafa Ali did not get a reaction. And maybe this was Vince seeing if Mustafa Ali would still get a reaction that he was getting before and just testing it out to see um, where he wants to go. Perhaps it was. Perhaps it was that. Um, perhaps it was. Perhaps he knew exactly what he was doing. I don't think they expected Mustafa Ali to. I think they expected Mustafa Ali to be a nice surprise. Um, And I think in an ideal world, 
for them, they would have seen that the, that Mustafa Ali maybe started to have those moments where he could potentially get over and everyone kind of got the same on the edge of their seat that they did with Kofi at um, Elimination Chamber. But I don't think that was ever going to happen um, because there's a there's a pissing contest going on between the WWE Universe and Vince McMahon at this stage, um, at least within kayfabe. Um, so, yeah. And then Roman gets involved and fucks up the match. Is Vince Russo in creative now as well? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? There's, um, there is that kind of... When was the last time we saw a non-hokey finish in this in this entire thing? Like somebody just wins Michael Cole or, or that other guy looks like Michael Cole and sounds like Michael Cole but isn't Michael Cole, says, congratulations, superstar name, and then they just move on. Um, like this feels almost too transitional as a pay-per-view at times. And this is, this is a great example of that. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the match really. Um, but yeah. Oh, I also put here, match was a waste of time. Mm. Yeah. Cause that's how I thought um, after it. It was a good match, but a waste of time because it had no build. It had no sense. There's, there's just, no need for it. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why this is frustrating for me as a fan, um, and I get this with Becky and Charlotte as well, um, is that there's no real catharsis with this for the live audience. Um, so Vince McMahon is obviously playing this villain, um, but he isn't getting any, even a small sense of comeuppance. Like Vince McMahon, the Mr. McMahon heel character in 1998, who fought Stone Cold Steve Austin through possibly one of the greatest three-year feuds in wrestling history. In fact, no, the greatest three-year feud in wrestling history. Um, he was constantly getting his comeuppance. He had enough screen time and enough camera time to be followed by two bumbling idiots who constantly fuck things up. He had an overeager... Um, arrogant son and um, a daughter whose love life was a hot fucking mess. Um, so there were plenty of opportunities for him to get his comeuppance. And then you had Stone Cold and Vince McMahon, obviously, back and forthing it and there being this real feel of a power struggle. Um, there's no equal footing here. So the, like, the, the feud for Vince McMahon and Steve Austin went so personal, it went beyond position. Um, and each character got nightly catharsis, both Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin um, justified their actions. But in this case, there is no justification for Vince McMahon's actions. Um, from a kayfabe perspective, he's just being a dick. And there is no opportunity for Becky Lynch or um, Kofi Kingston to get their revenge for it towards Vince McMahon, the character himself. And it's a shame. Um, it's just, that's my issue with the execution of this angle. Well, do you enjoy your thoughts on that, Rich? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Did, did you have anything to add or? No, not really. No, I think you've... Um... Kind of smash that Pretty one. Much. 
Yeah, okay, fair play. That one can go on YouTube. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's Rich here from JFade. And you know, we are now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and my personal favourite, Stitcher. If you contact us via Anchor, we have a message box where you can leave a message. Currently 100% ad free while I build the infrastructure to ensure we give you guys the best listening experience for years to come. Jay is manning the podcast Twitter. That is JFade Podcast. That is at JFade Podcast. That is at J-F-A-B-E Podcast. I am Rich JFade or at R-J-Fabe. That is at R-J-F-A-B-E. If you like us, please feel free to let us know through Twitter or Facebook. Now let's get on with the conversation. Beard and Bear are back, ladies and gentlemen, from a soft break. We hope you enjoyed listening to those those sponsored messages read by that wonderful host. That is just me telling you where you can listen to our podcast. It's kind of kind of redundant now that I really think about it. Anyway, because um... <laughs> you're already listening, <laughs> you are already listening. Uh... YouTube it. YouTube it. Yeah, I'm gonna YouTube load. Um it's that's my project for this and next week. Um so um this is the second one on one match of the evening. Um it is between Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. You've got the man versus the queen on your notes, I believe. Yes, that's right, the queen versus the man. So how did this glorified angle dressed up as a match feel to you? Like a glorified angle dress for the match. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, it, we knew going in that it was unlikely to feel clean, uh, likely to finish clean. Sorry. Um, yeah, great verbal work from Charlotte Flair throughout. Um, I really did enjoy that. Um, audience obviously trying to get behind Becky, um, but I think considering what they've just seen and how similar this is to the Kofi Kingston angle, um, their enthusiasm is starting to wear, um, which again just just shows some of the pacing mistakes which have been made with how they put all this together um i think that's something that wwe will probably learn from if they do decide to run two similar angles in the future um but certainly it's it's quite clear to this audience at this stage that they may not get the full catharsis that they're hoping for um which to be fair if you go in if you if you know you're in cleveland and it's fast lane you're probably not going to get much resolution are you so why are you saying that what's wrong with cleveland i don't dislike cleveland however it is listed as one of wwe's b show territories which is um the kind of territory where they can't guarantee necessarily anything over um about 2000 to 4000 viewers in a house show um and on televised show could be anywhere between um 4000 and 15,000 it's certainly not a um a new york it's certainly not a tampa bay it's it's definitely one of the cheaper places that they tour where they don't necessarily expect um as much kind of heavy booking it's not a terminal city um within the central united states so it's it, I, my comment was basically on the concept of there being a B show, a B, a B state, as it were, that they were in, um, which it is. It's it's a cheaper place to run, and the audience are usually a bit more lukewarm than, say, Chicago or or somewhere like that. 
Well, thanks for clearing up, Rich. No problem. No problem. I just wanted to clarify <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, but also Cleveland sucks. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ronda Rousey comes down the aisle um, after about 10 minutes of Becky Lynch flailing around on her um, on her crutches and Charlotte Flair doing some great heel, heel work. Um, Ronda is in street clothes. She lands a single punch on Becky's face, forcing a disqualification. Um and that's well, my, about my notes say Charlotte Flair clearly going for Becky Lynch's knee and something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's about right. Charlotte Flair is basically attacking Becky's knee. Um, Becky kind of is in a war of attrition with Charlotte. Charlotte is doing single leg Boston crabs on the injured knee. Um, other other similar things um, in order to both gain heat but also attempt to force a submission. Um, and with Ronda wanting Becky Lynch in the match, she obviously came down, pushed her in the face, stood against the ropes. You know, mm, um, what's his name? Um, little Flair, Ric Flair, Mini Flair, Little Nate. There we go. Yeah, Little Nate. Little Nate calls for the DQ. Yeah, yeah. Um, fairly standard, expected kind of match. There wasn't really anything else that Ronda Rousey could have done. A bit of a statement, obviously, punching Becky once in the face and then just standing back as if to say, come at me, bro, um, in regards to her two, her two now opponents at WrestleMania. Um, she wandered down the aisle, didn't even look back to point at the WrestleMania sign. She just pointed at it and then hand-waved that off as if, um, as if she was contractually obliged to. Um, maybe not the best at working a shoot, um, possibly not the best person to be putting in a work shoot angle, but to, at the same time, um, she pulled it off okay. She didn't get any particular shoot heat coming out of the match. Um, yeah, just continued the story, really. And that's all that was there for, and that's why it ran over three hours. Yep, yep. We're now pretty much on our three just beginning um we get elias's third and final piece um ah ronda let's talk a bit more about ronda oh you have you <laughs> have more about addition, additional notes additional additional go for it okay so whether experts in the business i mean would it guarantee a way for her to leave the company make her return quickly ronda fulfilling her contract she wants to start a family, so would that be something that's what's going on there? I mean, what do you um, think? I, I'm yet to fully understand where the source of her wanting to start a family has has kind of come from. Where this rumor is kind of a lie, uh, like is this directly from her words or is it's this not something really directly that... from her words? It's just something that's floating around. Mm, you see a lot of things float around in the wrestling industry and I, I'm i kind of very much a, well, as you know, I'm a bit of a mark for, um, for kind of hearing this come out of the horse's mouth. Um, and I just find it very, very hard to imagine someone who's reportedly in a three-year contract out of her own mouth um, reportedly in a three-year contract because obviously there was that moment on Chronicle which I do keep coming back to um, where she states this is the next three years of my life which leads me to believe that is the case um, mm. and her then saying 
in plain view of her employer at the time, nine months into a three-year contract, I'm wanting to start a family. Like, you've got to remember that maternity, um, maternity law in America is nowhere near as protected as it is here in the EU. Um, that kind of... That kind of thing could very much lead to her being placed on the back burner as far as her push is concerned. And I don't think that she's a stupid enough businesswoman to really make that kind of statement. In addition, she is a professional fighter for a living. Um, and that could affect other third-party sponsorship deals um, if she were to leave the company. So I, I still kind of call bullshit on that. Um from my perspective at the same time I'm, I'm sure WWE are aware of the rumours um, they are they are if they, all they said was they, it's, it's, it's her life basically is what they said yeah of not course not word for word but pretty much that's what they said yeah of course I mean they're always going to tuck the t PG line between their between their um, between their legs and pretend they're in with the ladies Um so, yeah, I I kind of think that if WWE are aware of these rumors, then they're probably also playing off the rumors of the like I said on the last on the last show. Um, they're probably playing off the rumors of the guaranteed um, of the guaranteed out that they've been offering the um, Bullet Club, and probably um, kind of playing along that line in the idea that she might be just fulfilling her contractual obligations before she exits and WWE could potentially have given her that out as a work shoot kind of kind of element, if that makes sense. But with the whole work shoot thing as well, I mean, mm. just going into that, from, say from out from Ronda Rousey, we've got Triple H doing that. It, I mean, he's been doing it quite a bit recently with the Paul and the Dave thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Even on, Roy, even on Roy, he says... Um, um, David Tisa had his own his own security, and he said, "Is, is that the guardian of the or guardians of the independent scene that was going to beat through to get to to go through to you? The guardians of the independent scene." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which of is course. quite funny to hear. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the acknowledgement there that obviously the the his own personal security are, of course, independent wrestlers, um, and that's a very Triple H kind of on the line of kayfabe thing to do. Um, I'm I'm beginning to wonder if I'm beginning to wonder I'm, if the okay. I'm just saying is Triple H in, in charge of this storyline? Is he the one saying for one of us to go ahead with this work shoot? Given the success that Roman Reigns has had um, as Joanna Wahe recovering from leukemia, I think the whole product is moving into um, a more work shoot environment at this point and I would be very much I would very much consider that Triple H will probably be one of the people on the helm of that definitely um, I, th I think the product as a whole could potentially move away from um, its current state of kayfabe and onto a new and into a new layer of kayfabe as they move it um, out of what was considered the network era um, and into what Triple H has been gasping for for the last three or four years, which is a true reality era. But could this be a sign of Vince stepping down and yeah. um, giving Triple H more control? 100%, yeah. 
Um, Triple H's best promos and most memorable promos have always been the ones that have skirted the line. Um, didn't Kofi Kingston used to be Jamaican, etc. Um, etc. etc. Yeah, I mean, we could we could just list the amount of times he's he's stood and looked at the camera and waved at it um, with his words. I, I I genuinely think that the product itself is probably going to um, move into a new era of kayfabe, which is more based around work shoots as they move into the Fox era on SmackDown and obviously the competing USA Network era on Monday Night Raw. Um, yeah, no, completely agree. I also think that that is probably one of the best ways to work within the environment that um, in which AEW has flourished. If they... If if AEW does do as well as it's looking like they possibly could, um, and I mean that from a fan goodwill perspective, not necessarily from a financial perspective immediately, then I would say that um, the only way WWE can compete with them is by working more shoots. But what if it's just a big elaborate, you know, work and it's just AEW going to do a invasion angle (laughs) if that happens um, and you're probably the first person who said that and literally now that I've thought about it that is actually absolutely fucking genius that is now the more you the more that I think about that the more it makes sense You've got Bruce Pritchard being re-signed with WWE. You've got Conrad Thompson, his co-host, who has also appeared on the WWE Network as one of the main people to talk about to talk about AEW um, and obviously to be a proponent for it. You've got them offering contracts to every single person um, who has got moved over to AEW first um, when their NJPW contracts and their various other contracts moved off? Well, you've it's got just a, it's just Jimmy a fourth brand. Yeah, you've got Jimmy. <laughs> you've got Jimmy Havoc. Obviously, he appeared on WWE television um, just over a year ago uh, um, on the same show that Jim Ross appeared on, which was the um, pilot for the UK NXT series. Um, yeah, actually, this this is starting to make a lot of sense. Um, obviously, Khan is um, going to be friends with Mr. McMahon um, on some degree, on some level. He's been a massive wrestling fan for several years. Is worth one hell of a lot of money um, and kind of moves in the same circles. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> this is going on YouTube just, just for the views. <laughs> is AEW a is AEW a WWE work? Oh, that is one hell of a video title. Um, if you've already clicked on it and are watching this on our YouTube promotional channel, come to JFabe to find out what we really think. But it's probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Any other notes about the um, Ronda Rousey um, angle? <laughs> No, no, I've got nothing there, mate. <laughs> cool. Um, so Elias has his third and final piece. Um, he sings yet another ode to, um, in this case, Becky Lynch, I believe it was, as well as how much how much he absolutely loves Cleveland. Um, he's a big fan of the Steel City, obviously, um, being from the Steel City. Um, Lacey Evans comes out. 
um, after he makes a reference to nobody in the back being um, being interested enough in Cleveland to defend it. Um, she comes out, does her little wander around um, on the catwalk thing and kind of classes up the joint and wanders off. As she is wandering back, Randy Orton, um, somebody who has no connection to Cleveland at all, because he's from Tennessee, RKO's him out of nowhere. <clears throat> face style. Face style, um, yes. And this is followed almost immediately by AJ forearming him again out of nowhere. Um, Just to um, set up that match for WrestleMania. Pretty much. I mean, AJ said that he had an answer for um, Randy Orton on the pre-show. He did say that that was going to come. So um, obviously this is a storyline that's played out through the night through about four sentences. Um, yeah. Why would Randy Orton RKO Elias? Vince Russo. Yeah, because there's no reason for the character <laughs> to do that. Yeah, Over just the... Vince Russo popping up out of nowhere, going, that's a great idea to set up this match. Him arguing Elias just because. And then, you know, AJ Styles does a forearm out of nowhere as well. And then that sets up the match. And then we're going to match at WrestleMania, everyone. And that's, that's it. Do you think that Greatest they may have... Ever. <laughs> Do you think they may have gone back... Um and looked at some of the Attitude Era stuff and said what made that successful and kind of... Oh, found really? that, Yeah. They found that um, anything can happen booking style. But why is it the Bruce Pritchard idea? Um, um, uh, it's, it's a great idea if oh, it's a Bruce oh, Pritchard oh, idea. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah, it is. Of course it is. No, the guy's a guy's fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I mean, obviously, Randy Orton has has every reason to RKO Elias. I think I think we just proved it. Anyway, <laughs> um, on while we're on Bruce Pritchard, actually, his on his latest show, his Joe the King Lawler show, they obviously laid out um, his recent move to WWE and guaranteed that they would carry on. Um, producing their podcast but probably do a lot less live shows um which is fair enough obviously understanding his position he did state that um it is just rumor and innuendo that he's actually in a creative position however he didn't actually say what his job was the story from bruce's perspective seems to be i went to a live show they offered me a job now i wander around titan towers in a suit cool so Let's pay for it yeah, I, I, it so, sounds sounds to me like he is on creative, and he just doesn't want to admit it yet because the 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 product's still a little bit shaky. Once it gets better, we're like, yeah, I've been creative still. Oh, yeah, I've been creative yeah. for uh, I did, uh, once uh, it all got better. It's not my idea. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> pipe bomb. I that was story, me. I, I, I remember. I remember the story of when um, I first started going on creative, and it was the highest rating raw in the past six months, and it was my idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I just said, you know what? We should do we should do the highest rating. So let's do that. And it and just happened. happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. British, Fisher, brother love. Shield reunion. Shield reunion. So this was the final match of the night. Um, this is after, obviously, the wonderful spot that made absolutely. No character sense for Randy Orton. Um, 
Yeah, as well as The Shield, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns versus um, the team of Bobby Lashley, um, Drew Galloway, or McIntyre, depending on which flavour you like. And I like Galloway course, better, but... I like Galloway, actually. I prefer that. Um, and, of course, Baron Corbin, the not-so-lone wolf, um, in a... Really good match. music, though. Really good music by Bad Wolves. Really enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, I do quite like that. Um, that's the... The MIDI version. Yeah, yeah, that's... I may do a remix um, of, of that track for our next next show because everyone loves hearing that music. Um, because everyone in our anchor box tells us that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone comes to our anchor box, lets us know. They tweet to us every day. Um, shout out to you, um, user at JFab is my favorite podcast on Twitter. You, you you're really good. Um, you're one of my favorite four listeners. Yes. Cool. So I did say this was a six-way <laughs> match. It's actually a three-on-three <laughs> tag team match. Um, Shield reunion was a good match. Felt like there was no real stakes within kayfabe, um, other than the intrigue regarding Dean Ambrose um, and obviously um, the slight risk factor associated with somebody recovering from chemotherapy um, wrestling a match. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on this match? It wasn't a bad match. I mean, it was a standard Shield versus three other people match. Mm. That's how uh, yeah. I'm going to call it. Um, obviously, you had a high, you have a high caliber in McIntyre and Lashley. Corbin, I used to be high on, but not so much anymore. He's Although I thought, I thought he, I, in the whole thing, I thought he played quite well in this in this environment. Obviously, um, for a foreman, yes, he's played very good. Yeah, um, he, he he played that quite nicely. Um, I've actually put, got on my notes that I felt that this is, um, although it is a standard Shield match. A standard shield match is usually an absolute barn burner, um, and this this kind of lived up to that. It's it's it gave a bit of chaos to proceedings that I don't think we have seen in a WWE ring in quite a while. Um, with the product being so homogenized um, since the breakup of the Shield in particular, um, this was a welcome welcome change of pace for me, um, which is ironic considering it was yet another tag match on a card with at least five of them. No, yeah, that's cool. But um, my notes say, <laughs> does Roman wear makeup? I would imagine so. Because I think he does. <laughs> and it also okay. says... <laughs> How many drinks were you at this stage? Oh, no, this is today. Oh, okay. Like, I drank nothing. So, I like, his face look, looked a lot darker. Oh, okay. I thought, did they wear makeup? I don't know, it just came to my head. I, uh, I would imagine I would imagine that he probably um, is wearing makeup anyway, um, but they may have had to do it a bit heavier because I imagine that his pallor would be slightly lighter um, at this stage. I don't know why I said that. Okay, so... <laughs> 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 also, cool. I've also got Michael Cole says Roman hasn't been there because he's been dealing with cancer but the way he said it did you hear it the way he said it 
I, I it did stick out to me actually. Yeah. It was terrible. Like. Oh. Yeah. It was just terrible. Anyway. Yeah. It came across. It came across that. as slightly heelish on Michael Cole's part, which I don't think is necessarily. It also felt because it was delivered by Michael Cole as a fake line because every line he says feels like it's fake. So as a result, it felt like an angle just simply by virtue of Michael Cole saying it rather than saying Maybe Cole's he names. agrees with Dave Meltzer and that's why he said it the way he did. Perhaps he does. Hashtag Michael Cole is a dick. Hashtag Dave Meltzer and Michael Cole is a dick. <laughs> Hashtag then, Nia, Nia Jax beat up Michael Cole. Hashtag Nia Jax beat up Michael Cole and Dev Mozart at the same time in a in the death match. That's going to be a great T-shirt. So carry on. <laughs> my next my next note was halfway through the match and I'm to put Shield win. <laughs> <laughs> so before Shield win, you put Shield win. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, good call. That makes good sense. Call. Yeah, good there was call. a really good, I really liked the spot with um, where he went to the pre-show setup. Yeah. They did the whole Dean Ambrose jumped on them, they carried him, and then Seth Rollins jumped off the top of the, I don't know, what, what do you call that? Like the barrier or the higher up part of the stadium, or what, what do you call it? Um, yeah, I think it would be called. Um... It's, I don't know. I think they just usually call that a bleacher. Um, but I bleacher. know the bit you mean. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, um, it was like a very nice ECW indie kind of thing to like throw in there. It really did feel good. Danger. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would say that I'm very glad that the show did under- overrun at this point um, because had they have been just 15 minutes earlier with that spot, then Coach would have still been sat there trying to finish his monologue from the fucking pre-show. With Christian. Just with Christian, there, just looking confused. confused. Yeah, yeah. considering he's host, it, but I can imagine it. Yeah, it was really, um, it was really uncomfortable actually. Um, I mean, considering that Christian was there basically because he's touring to um, promote his um, new television show, um, which I believe is on History um, or something similar. It's one of those reenacting old battles or whatever kind of shows. Anyway, um, because he's because he's promoting that, um, it kind of highlighted how completely bad he is at thinking on his feet at the moment. <laughs> um, I don't know whether it's just the environment or the fact that Edge wasn't there to lead him through it, but yeah, it didn't. <laughs> he didn't come across well um, in that in that section. I thought this was a really good platform for the Roman Reigns Joe Anawahi um, kind of hybrid character that they're running at the moment. Yeah, no, obviously he got like punched in the face, and he was trying to get back to. The corners tag, did an uppercut. Finally got the hot tag to Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins came in and started doing his thing that he normally does. So yeah, they they, they are they are playing with the leukemia, and he's not up up to scratch. Like he needs that help from the Shield to to be able to be in a match. Yeah, he appeared winded towards the end, um, especially with the table spot. Um, and he also looked like he may have injured his shoulder um, in the last defensive spot from Drew McIntyre before before the actual shield bomb through the table. Um, generally quite good. Um, there's been no fallout yet in regards to Seth Rollins' statement of one last time Cleveland, one last motherfucking time. Um, 
do you think that was intentional? Do you think that was a work shoot? Do you think Rollins um, realised what he said after he said it? Because um, he was certainly excited and hyped to be running with the Shield again. I don't think I actually saw that. Did you not? No. Oh, it was um, towards the end when they were um, just before they Shield bombed um, the. Um, Baron Corbin at the end. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear that. No, I saw it, but I didn't hear that. No. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, it was it was bleeped out in the. Um, well, not bleeped out, but it was it was sliced out, as it were, as a, as a section of audio. So obviously the audio cut, but the statement was one last time, Cleveland, one last motherfucking time, um, which was clearly visible from pretty much all camera angles. That was what he said. And obviously they didn't quite cut it in such a way that you couldn't hear the mother at the start. Well, I so. clearly missed that. Clearly missed that. <laughs> yeah, it was um, quite something. Um, but it's funny, you say about the swearing though, because you now they're that watch along. Yeah. Yeah, so that's completely got ripped out of YouTube. It's got completely taken down because Nigel McGuinness said fuck on it. Really? Really? Yeah. So they had the whole thing backstage. Nigel McGuinness said, fuck on it. And the one rule, the first rule was, do not swear. Oh, dear. So let's see where Nigel McGuinness goes from here. Well, I mean, hopefully, um, as a golden boy, they're going to, he's not going to get many get many kind of much fallout from it. I mean, obviously, we're supposed to be from it. To, yeah, much heat from it. I mean, it was obviously it was obviously supposed to be Take a bit of a revenue earner. Yeah. <laughs> so they're on, they're on about they're on about pulling it all together now because of that. No more watch alongs. Oh. Um, it, it's and if, funny, it, it, and if they do any more watch alongs, it's definitely going to be scripted if they do it. It's a shame. Um, you'd you'd expect Nigel McGuinness to have maybe known to watch his tone a bit um, considering his position uh, but also considering his experience now with the WWE product um, however I could also understand him maybe thinking that the rules were a bit laxer there um, or just not knowing how to exclaim um, you know because obviously he usually gets fed a lot of his reactions um, maybe not as much as he would in on the main product but hmm it's a shame. Yeah, so hopefully nothing does come of that. I hope nothing comes of that because Nigel McGuinness is one of the best commentators on the WWE roster. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's hard to stand out when there's 50 of the fuckers. He does have his own style, but sometimes yeah. I don't enjoy his commentating. Sometimes you don't enjoy his commentating. No, I enjoy it more in NXT takeovers. Um, he's a good addition to 205 definitely because he gives a really good insight obviously he's got a really good insight because he's, he was a wrestler for fucking like what a decade or more yeah. so he's always got always got that insight so yeah he's, he does have a good knowledge on moves I think and... he does add a feel of legitimacy um, to any product that he's on by virtue of his delivery style No, I completely understand that, but just sometimes it falls flat for me. Yeah, I can understand that as well, especially when you're watching a product. Um, I think I think it works better on the UK NXTs than it does necessarily on the American product, just because he sounds slightly more out of place when when there's so many 
you know obviously american voices and there's an american audience and it uh, which american not that really i mean I, well. I, I welcome it to be fair but mm. it's just sometimes i don't feel like he hits the spot for me like i can't quite explain understandable. why yeah um i there have been times when he hasn't hit the mark with me as well um but that's usually because he's being outshined by um you know, obviously, like Morello or um, or. Oh no, they've got a really good um, chemistry. Uh, when yeah. it's just those two together, just them two by themselves, they've got a really good chemistry. Mm. Um, I quite enjoyed. I quite enjoyed, obviously, his work with Michael Cole when Michael Cole Maybe was. Maybe just Percy Watson that I don't like. Percy Watson is a bit of a ballad. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why I feel like I don't like Nigel Beginners. Maybe just Percy Watson needs to fuck off a little bit and just leave them two together. Yeah, he is doing that whole... He does do that whole um, third commentator thing of just sitting there and going, yeah, oh, while the other two do full-on colour and play-by-play and play as a result. I think there's uh, there's also the element that, obviously, Nigel McGuinness does colour commentary, but he doesn't do it in a traditional WWE style as well. He's, he doesn't play a heel. Um, but he does add colour um, where he needs to add colour. He, he's not a play-by-play commentator. Towers so, of uh, London! <laughs> he's certainly not a play-by-play commentator, but um, him and Morello as well um, seem to kind of almost switch play-by-play duties and um, and colour commentary in a very fluid style. So they each both have a colour persona and a, and a play-by-play persona and just merge the two as they go and that works really maybe well, i'm so. going to take by what i said maybe i do enjoy more than i thought have i just sold you nigel mcginnis i think you have well good night everybody he's still saying what was name wrong because i'm sure the last time i heard it he said bolter again but oh yeah, that, he, does, he, he does. He does. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so we Sold are me. a pod. Sold. We Sold. are a pod. We are a podcast where we don't stand by our convictions, ladies and gentlemen. Please listen to us. <laughs> um. <laughs> I just had my mind changed. I think I changed my own mind when I thought it was just Nigel McGuinness, but no, actually, actually, it's, I think I'm it's wrong. It's the team. It's the team of Nigel McGuinness, that guy whose last name's Morella, whose first name I can't say in combination with his last name. And Ronaldo. Um, Percy Watson. Ronaldo Morella. Is that not his name? I don't know. I can, I've never been able to say it or spell it, so I can't look it up. Let's have a look. Ronaldo, Ronaldo Morella. No, that just gets me a tapas bar in Morella, Spain. So that's not the one. <laughs> we'll is, there a, is there a tapas bar called Ronaldo? <laughs> it's called Ronaldo. It's uh, called Ronaldo Bar de Tapas. I want to go there. Um. Well, it looks quite, quite nice. Quite nice. Beard and bear on tour, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to uh, give us some money. <laughs> and yeah, I'll go yeah. for me page. <laughs> yeah. um, some guys, oh, wow, they've got sausages. They've got lots of sausages. And they're here like sausage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so back to the matter at hand. Um, 
<laughs> Back to the bar I had. Um, so, looking at Fastlane, um, how do you feel that the entire pay per view stood? Hit and miss, wasn't it, really? Um, yeah, I think there was more but hits than there were misses. But fairly entertaining. Um, yeah. Compared to other events that have happened before the new year, it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it feels like we're on a path, a road, greater, if you will, to WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, whereas there was a <laughs> and period. That car would be shocking, even though looking at it with it coming out of Raw. It's going to get a bit shocking. Are we going into Raw? We're going to save that for next episode. Um, we can go into Raw if anybody has the will to listen left after... We, I mean, we're now two hours and five minutes into the recording. Um, WrestleMania um, card. Well, should we see what the card looks like? Um, at the yeah, moment? let's do the card and then we'll talk about it and then we can sign out, I guess. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, we can, so do, we the can rest- do Raw another day, it's fine. I think I think we will do Raw another day. I think we will do a Raw, SmackDown, and um, NXT, NXT catch-up yeah. on Friday. Um, we're also looking to um, give a preliminary episode, or possibly an episode, expanding our lexicon into New Japan Pro Wrestling, who are currently celebrating their J-Cup, which is an annual cup of 32 wrestlers from both the independents as well as um, as well as New Japan Pro Wrestling itself. Colt Cabana is currently there. Um, so that's that's fairly interesting. We'll be watching that over the next few... Colt Cabana. Few, indeed, Colt Cabana. Um, so we, we are going to be looking into that over the next few weeks, catching up with that, making sure that we're fully up to date in time for the... April the 6th Supercard at Madison Square Garden, um, which is a Supercard with ROH and New Japan Pro Wrestling, where the finale, the final match of the New Japan, well, the New Japan Pro Wrestling J-Cup will take place. So we're hoping to be all caught up in time for that. So you guys who don't have the New Japan Pro Wrestling Network um, will be able to be fully aware as to what's going on um, in the second biggest promotion on the planet if you en- enjoy new japan pro wrestling you will love that episode yeah um and we are hoping to do more new japan pro wrestling when wrestlemania season kind of calms down a bit so should be should be fairly good um, we're going to take g1 aren't we our size um a and b we're going to do an a and b side for each that is the plan um i i i want the one that abushi's on well, we're going to toss a coin, and if you don't get it, then that's <laughs> tough shit. Fair play. Fair play. Um, <laughs> so, um, Raw Women's Championship match will be Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair. Um, that's I'm hoping that Becky is a full kayfabe health by then, um, which I can't imagine why not. Um, I mean, it's taken her, like, 17 weeks to, like, be able to walk down to a ring um on one crutch but she'll be she'll be jumping around like a runner beam by WrestleMania I'm sure. Um Universal Champion Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Thoughts on that one? I guess it'd be alright. <laughs> I'm hoping cool. it's gonna be alright. Um, if it's anything to go by from the last matches it have the smaller competitors it should be a really good match. 
hopefully he will sell for Seth. I'm sure he will. Um, and I do predict that Seth Rollins will be walking out with that championship. I've just realised this is an official card I'm looking at, so I'm just going to go over to a more official one. Um, cool. Um, Triple H versus Batista in what is expected to be a no-holds-barred match. It is a no-holds-barred match. It was it was confirmed on Monday Night Raw when Batista kept screaming, give me what I want, give me what I want, and not really remembering the lines he should have actually said. Mm. That makes sense. But yeah, it's going to be Dave versus Paul. Cool. Um, I am looking forward to that. Um, Triple H. I am will not looking forward have, to that. Well, Paul Levesque will definitely have his now fifth active theme tune um, because obviously, if he's not Triple H, he's not Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He's not the um, he's not the financial director, and he's not the King of Kings. Then he will now have. He will now have a fifth theme tune who's, that is going to sing that. Um, I don't think I can go there, so I'm just going to carry on. But it'll probably come out with DX theme tune as they go into the Hall of Fame, so it'll probably come out with that. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, fair or, play. Or he can come out with his really good theme tune. Bam, 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 bam. Get down with that triple H. You mean our, our time? Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, no, that that would be awesome. That would, I I would love to hear him hear him come down to that um, one more time. To be honest, I also preferred the lighting effects because it was a lot less green and a lot more multicolored, which was kind of cool. So yeah, um, cruiserweight championship, Buddy Murphy versus to be confirmed. To be confirmed. Um, that is going to be a great match. To be confirmed is a fucking talent. Yeah, so... no, of course. Um, <laughs> to be confirmed, obviously, being only Lorkin, Cedric Alexander, Tony Nice, um, or Drew Gulak, I believe. I do believe only Lorkin is going to take this. I just give it a fresh feel. I think only Lorkin needs that, especially considering the loss that um, the um, that his team had on the. Um, on the Dusty Classic in round one. Um, I feel that there's bigger things planned for Oni Lorcan going into that, and I think that would be the great place for him to be. What if he wins? That would be great. I would love to see him as a as a, as a hard-hitting cruiserweight champion. Um, that would be great. I would really thoroughly enjoy that match. He's clearly over. The British wrestling style is clearly over in America anyway, um, but he is, he is definitely one of those guys. He's from... America, I think he's from Chicago. Might be wrong about that. Am I thinking of the right guy? You don't know about uh, Martin Stone. I'm going to have to Google this now. Only Lorcan is the American guy in that tag team. Oh, okay, never mind then. Fuck it. Um, I, I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be. What's in face Stone? Uh, Danny Birch. Martin Stone, Danny Birch, same guy. Yeah, same guy. Cool. Um, WrestleMania 35 predicted matches um, is obviously Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. Um, we'll probably get confirmation of that um, on probably SmackDown. Probably two weeks um, beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I will probably say so. And it's probably going to be a worked angle. Uh, sorry, a worked kind of... Yeah, yeah, it's probably going to be worked as an angle for a few weeks where Daniel Bryan gets several other, other opponents and similar. Um AJ Styles versus Randy Orton, that's pretty much confirmed for WrestleMania at this stage. Oh, yeah, that's definitely happening after the forum out of nowhere. 
Um, yeah, Randy Orton obviously always puts on a great show at WrestleMania. That's probably one of the reasons why he can continue to coast by for the rest of the year because his matches at WrestleMania are usually fairly good, barring that one misstep with Bray Wyatt. Um, however, I think he got a free pass on that one considering that the angle moving into it was so good. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much my thoughts on Randy Orton. AJ Styles could get a good match out of a dyslexic seal. So, yeah. Um, yes, Ro- he could. <laughs> Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre appears to be what people are expecting to happen um, rather than Ro- um, Roman Reigns uh, versus um, Baron Corbin. I reckon they're more likely to go for Drew McIntyre at this stage. Um, CBS Sports agrees with me. Your thoughts? After WrestleMania? Um, for WrestleMania. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I guess so, but I might, I might as well go with Dean Ambrose versus Drew McIntyre. It's coming out of Raw. That makes more sense for his last match. Um, possibly. possibly. I mean, um, it would make sense. It would it make sense, but, actually, for... But with Drew McIntyre beating down Roman Reigns before um, his match against Baron Corbin and then Dean Ambrose jumping in to do a new force count anywhere. Yeah, I can see Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I I would talking a bit about I Raw. would struggle to see um with with Baron Corbin being so as a character so cowardly. He I mean he is behind two guys who are bigger than him. I can't see him um orchestrating a match where he ends up going against Roman Reigns. Um, I would see him going for the easy win um, or what he considers as a character to be an easy win, which would be Dean Ambrose um, and pushing um, Drew McIntyre to the big dog. Um, and he has enough control as a character over the other two characters in a stable in order to do that. Obviously with Bobby Lashley, um, probably being against the demon Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, obviously that that leads to those two being the only ones in contention as to where that angle goes agreed well yeah for Demon yeah that's going to happen because obviously you can't have automatic rematches so putting in a different character as the Demon kind of gives it that kind of I'm not Finn Balor I'm the Demon thing even though people are getting automatic rematches all the time now yeah, I mean the automatic rematches thing seemed like a seemed seemed like a convenience in that they could do away with the odd rematch rather than actually stopping all rematches happening. So, yeah, they're um, happening all the time. But yeah, yeah, they're happening all the time. But there's going to be a few less. There's my Vince McMahon impression for the week. Um, SmackDown Women's Championship is assumed at the moment to probably be Asuka versus Mandy Rose again. Um, ironically, there are no automatic rematches, but maybe in this case. Ridiculous. There's no point. Why put Oscar against someone who is inferior to her wrestling ability again? Um, because there's no one else, and WWE have very little interest in Asuka um, as a character developing further than dancing down to the ring. And, well, that's about it, really. Um <laughs> United States Championship. Currently, a lot of places seem to think this is still John Cena versus Samoa Joe. Obviously, we have a different opinion on that, as stated earlier. I do believe it's going to be Kurt Angle versus John Cena. Mm. Leaving Samoa Joe to continue on with his... Ladder um, match against um, Rey Mysterio, Andrade and R-Truth. Ladder match. Definitely. 
definitely you've heard, it here, you've heard it here first that is going to happen yeah I'm calling that, it now I'm calling that as well um, the Usos most likely going to go against the Hardy Boys um, with Matt Hardy making a surprise return to SmackDown um, a few weeks ago um, ooh 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 Matt Hardy is apparently thinking about bringing back his big money Matt gimmick big money Matt gimmick big money Matt gimmick um, that started in ROH when he was part of the kingdom with okay. Adam Cole and also um, Mike Bennett, who is Mike Kanellis in 205, and Matt Taven uh, with oh, obviously Maria um, Kanellis was a part of that group as well. But yeah, it, it kind of switched over to TNA for a little bit, but it kind of got dropped. But yeah, that apparently is, is thinking about bringing that game back instead. Well, technically, it does. It is his intellectual property, I would assume, if um, the yep, broken that, back yes, it came is. across. Yeah, um, um, yeah. ROH that don't, would be interesting. They don't trademark um, gimmicks, so you could use it. Well, that's very honourable of them, but maybe it'll be honourable back Did and they? not use it. I don't think they trademark like if they do trademark gimmicks. I've never heard of them trademarking gimmicks, so hmm. I don't think they do. To be fair. Um, so yeah, you can use that however you like. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, that could be that could be interesting. I would imagine that'll come back after WrestleMania though, because I I definitely reckon that the Hardy Boys are going against the Usos at this stage. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, but um, because you know, why not? They can have a ladder match. Yeah. Obviously, um, <laughs> obviously, the Miz is going to face Shane McMahon. Um, any any parting words about that one? Nope. Cool. Um, there's going to be the <laughs> definitely not fabulous Moolah Woman's Battle Royal um, that is going to take place. Any thoughts who might win that? Candice LeRae. I'm going to say Mighty Molly. Um, Interesting. Are they the same person? Oh, 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 oh. No, they're no, not. Jazz. Um, Andre the Giant Battle Memorial Jazz, Battle Royal. Jazz is too, too busy in um, um, when Wow at the moment to to be dealing with WWE. Uh, okay, fair play. Yeah, no, she's got to she's got to keep her three viewers happy. Um, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Um, who do you reckon is going to win that? Is there going to be two? There's one for the women and one for men. It's a bit much, isn't it, really? Can't they just have a, a multi... An intergender one. An intergender battle royal, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would play well. Um, I mean, didn't we, didn't we spend, like, 15 minutes bitching about Nia Jax's presence in the Royal Rumble <laughs> like three episodes ago or something. Nope, I think that was you. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, the, so the Andre the Giant beating up Woman Memorial Battle Royal. Um, who do you reckon is going to win that one? Candice the Ray. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool. Um, I'm going to go with Bray Wyatt. Cool. We have Kelly yep. Saray and Bray Wyatt's final two. We'll see who wins. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. And what what's our wager on this? I don't know. Twenty quid. 
Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. If if it's a bottle of wine. Yeah, so oh, if it's either oh. of those people who win, um, then the person who picked it gets 20 quid off the other. Yeah, fine. Fair play. But that's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, isn't it? It is. It is. It is, yes. The Andre Royal Battle, Royal Royal Battle, Intergender Battle Royal. Yeah. yeah. Cool. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, yeah. Intergender Battle Royal. Yeah, okay. Um, cool. <laughs> So that is our prediction for the entire affair. Um, it is now coming up to nearly 10 o'clock today. So um, I think we are about there, aren't we, Jay? We will talk about Robbie E joining NXT and being signed another day and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows on their speculation for their contracts on the next episode. Indeed, although I do believe that... Um, Gallows has um, poo-pooed the rumours with his seven-year-old son on Twitter. I believe that's Carl Anderson. I knew it was one of them, um, but they're both <laughs> bold men. So and don't believe, you know, don't believe what you read is what he said. Indeed, indeed. So interesting. Um, we'll definitely talk about that on Friday. Also on Friday, we will talk about this week's action in Monday Night Raw. We will talk about this ac- this week's action on SmackDown. We'll be talking about NXT UK as well as NXT. And Jay will be watching the little brother of the WWE 205 Live and telling yes, I me will. stuff about it. Um, it's so fucking that's amazing. What... Yep, yep. He's totally into it. I am very um, into it. Anything else before we before we move on? No, I think we've covered what we're doing next episode. So I think we are putting a fork in it, my friend. Excellent. Well, in that case, I don't think there's very much else to say, other than apart from I, I've been beard and he's been bare. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Bed and bear. 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 and bear. Bed and bear, bed and bed and bear, bed and bear, bed and bear, bed and bear. He's beard, I'm bear. <laughs> bed and bear. This is a bit gangster for us. This is definitely one of all those gangsters tracks. Are you ready for the Survivor Series? <laughs> <laughs> 
Wrestlemania. Who will survive? Money in the bag. 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 And also all of those other pay-per-views. I don't know if I actually yeah, finished an outro on this. Spotify, Spotify, Spotify. <laughs> also Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Stitcher. Twice a week going into WrestleMania weekend. We there's going to be three. Coming up for you all. You guys, you guys are not going to be able to even work because of all of the WWE content you're watching, followed by all of the WWE content we're talking about watching <laughs> on all the content we're putting out. This is, we are oversaturating we are the, the market. Machine. We are. You can't hear these remixes anywhere else. There's any reason to tune in, it's the remixes. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. <laughs> Being about out.